Welcome to the nautical mind. <laughs> My name is Alex Rogers, and this is the first episode of this new podcast where we explore the different concepts of reality and nature and God and all sorts of fun stuff. All right, so this first this first episode is about it's about time, the concept of time. And while that may sound boring, or if you've ever heard lectures about the importance of using your time wisely, it's not about either of those per se. It's about the grander aspect of time in relation to its true nature. You see, time isn't as it seems. It's not just the past, the present, and the future, and just one line stretching endlessly in one direction, but rather something a lot more complex, something a lot more profound, something a lot more beautiful. And I'd like to introduce you to this idea of the true nature of time. So when you, so when you think of time, Typically, what ought to come into mind is the past, the present, and the future. But suppose I were to ask you, well, what, what is the present? How, how would you define it? Would you say it's the moment we're in now? Because if so, then you have to define, well, what is, what is this moment? Is it the moment I'm seeing? Is it the moment I'm perceiving? Light takes time to travel to objects, to events, to bounce off them, hit our eyes, and then be processed in our brain. And then, when that happens, combined with sound and with smell, our brain understands the, sur the situation and the surroundings that we're in. So if that's the case, then we don't actually live in the present that everything we're seeing, everything we're perceiving is in the past, right? Because the events take time to reach us and to be processed. And by that time, new events are already happening. So we already don't live in the present. We're just milliseconds, little tiny fractions of time behind it. So now, now you have to ask, well, what actually is the present then? If it's not based off of our perception, then, then what is it, right? Is there a way to measure it? Or even is there a way to just define it? So let's say, let's say you decided that the present was one second. Well, let's divide up that second. What you now have are little segments. So whenever you reach half of a second, for instance, the first, the first half of the second that's already passed is in the past, and the next half is in the future. And so with that logic, you can divide the time infinitely to where you, you keep getting smaller and smaller, and yet you always will have a past and a future but never a present. So it can be understood that just as an inch, say, is a 
unit of measurement, that time can be a unit of measurement, actually that the present can be a unit of measurement, a measurement of change. And the way we perceive this is through the past and the future, right? The past has already, it's change that has already happened, and the present is the transition between the future and the past. So the next, the next concept is perhaps one of my favorite to talk about whenever it comes to the concept of time. But many f physicists and, well, just leading scientists and everyone regards time to be the fourth dimension. Now what does that mean, you may ask? And Quite honestly, I don't know the full extent to what that means, but here's an analogy that might help it make sense. There was a book written, I don't know by who, but it, it's called The Flatlander. And basically, the analogy and the image that it provides is imagine that you are a two-dimensional person. So take, for instance, like... <laughs> like Mario from the Game Boy, or even like a stick figure on a piece of paper. If a three-dimensional object, um, like a pencil, were to poke through the paper and travel right through, would you be able to tell that it's a pencil? The answer would be no, because all you would see is a circle that grows and then just stays there. You would see the three-dimensional object interact with the second dimension, but you would only see the second dimension imprint that it left. So along the lines of the pencil, imagine with me that if a sphere was passed through the paper, all you would see is a circle that would grow and then shrink again, assuming that the paper mended itself. Let's say let's say the paper just left a hole. All you would all you would see is a line, right? And as a two-dimensional object, you wouldn't be able to see the full circle. You could eventually tell if it was a circle if you walked around it and um, deduced from its curves and everything. But you wouldn't be able to tell that it's a circle at first because you'd only be able to see one side, right? Just like if you're standing, um, if you're standing behind the wall of a house, you don't know what the rest of the house looks like, but you can see the wall and you understand what the wall's shape is. So you wouldn't be able to see the full circle that the sphere left. But suppose, suppose that you magically became the three-dimensional person that you are right now. If you were looking back on that paper, you would be able to see the entire circle, right? You wouldn't need to walk around it. You wouldn't need to take measurements. You would see the entire circle on the second dimension. You'd be able to identify it as a circle. Now let's take that concept and apply it to time. So if time is the fourth dimension, and it interacts with reality in terms of it forms the fabric of space-time,
then all we will see, all that we will perceive about time, is the imprint that it leaves as it interacts with the third dimension. But since it's a higher dimensional object, we don't, we don't see the entire scope of what time actually is. But use your imagination with me and suppose that somehow we become fifth dimensional beings. I don't even know what that would look like, but imagine it. You would suddenly be able to see all of time because it's a lower dimension than you. From the logic of the Flatlander story, it follows that any dimensional entity can see the entire scope, entire width, framework, whatever word you want to use, of the dimension that's below it. So for instance, us being three-dimensional objects, we can see two-dimensional objects in their entirety. We don't need to walk around them, we don't need to study them. We know a circle when we see one. However, a two-dimensional being would have to take time to walk around it, and then again they wouldn't know if it was filled or not, what, what happened. But we would know. And a two-dimensional object would be able to see the entire scope of a one-dimensional object, which would just be a ray. Now say there was a fourth dimensional object. They would be able to see everything in the third dimension in its entirety. They wouldn't need to walk around houses to understand what all the sides look like. Because of the nature of that dimension, they would be able to see and perceive everything in the third dimension as it is. And it would follow from that, that if there were fifth dimensional beings or entities, that they would be able to see the fourth dimension in its entirety. They would be able to see all of time as a moment, as a snapshot. There's a chance that the fourth dimension of time doesn't have an ever-changing past, present, and future but rather, it is the present in its entirety. Now that doesn't quite make sense. So let me use an example. So take, let's say you have a photo. You have a photo of a group of people, right? That photo is one snapshot in time, but it's a picture of the present, right? And there's a story behind that present. So in a way that we really probably can't tangibly imagine, the fourth dimension could be like a photo that captures the present, but the whole present, the present in its entirety. Now as time interacts with the third dimension, we perceive that interaction as the past, the present, and the future, as a change, as a growth. However, if all of time was in one dimension, unchanging, a higher, a higher dimensional being could supposedly walk through the corridors of time endlessly. 
If the fourth dimension of time is essentially a snapshot of all of history, of all, all moments put together, not as a changing line, but as something much more complex that maybe we can't even fathom, then a higher dimensional entity like God would be able to see everything that has happened everything that will happen and everything that is happening and be able to interact with all moments in reality well simultaneously in a sense this fourth dimension doesn't end because it in and of itself is not changing our perception is changing because it's interacting with our reality but time as a whole is unchanging and so, in a sense, that is eternity. Being in the present, being in the presence of God, is eternity. And yet, going back to how we perceive in the past, connecting those dots, it's almost like, it's almost just like we're a breath away from eternity. We're always in its trail, and yet we never notice I hope you enjoyed this and at least learned something or were challenged in the way you think because ultimately that's my goal is to make you think. Well, thank you for listening and have a wonderful life. This is Alex Rogers with The Nautical Mind.